Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? It's the question that drives us, Neo. What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Christmas. Welcome to Out of Theaters, the podcast that reviews the movies of yesteryear this year. My name is Billy Culpa, and I'm here with my good friend and film critic, Will Pfeiffer. Will, hello there. Merry Christmas, Billy. Merry Christmas. You seen any good Christmas movies lately? Um, I have a few to recommend, but first, why don't you talk about a movie Christmas tradition of your own? I think I, people will find it heartwarming. I... <laughs> All right, so one, I'm an idiot. Two, uh, this week's featured movie is The Matrix. I forgot to say that at the top. But first, let me tell you about my Christmas tradition. Um, uh, I have to spend a lot of time with the in-laws. And they're fine people. I have nothing against my in-laws. But who wants to spend all this time with your in-laws, right? So Not a, even your in-laws. <laughs> a couple of years back, I devised this trick where... <laughs> This one simple trick. This one simple trick. As the internet always says. Uh, My kid, I think, might have been one, and we bought him a a kitchen play set. This nice plastic play school kitchen set, but it had like a build time of like two hours. It was like, this is going to take a while, and we didn't want to, we couldn't open it, right? We can't like open it in the house because the kid will find it. So we left it packaged until Christmas Eve, and on Christmas Eve... My wife took the kid to her parents' house where I did not have to go. And I well played, the, Billy. Well played. I spent played. the night building the kitchen set in the living room. Like, that's where the thing was going to go. Classic dad Christmas Eve. Now, this, this is five years ago uh, because he's about to turn six. So it must be six years, whatever. It's five or six years ago. And I put on a movie. I put on Starship Troopers <laughs> because that's not. Because really, what says Christmas more than Overhoven's hyper violent. Well, it's one of my favorite movies, and it's the kind of thing that I can't sit and watch with the wife because she's she's like she, I've seen a million bugs die. There's strong female characters. Sure. Oh yeah. There's yeah. Diz. Uh, I like I like Diz, but um, you know, Doctor Christmas Jones. <laughs> yeah, Denise Richards. <laughs> the X Mrs. Charlie Sheen. Uh, Wild Things. Uh, That's right. Wild Things. I just it was dumb, right? And I put it on. Well, somehow. That happened again the next year with something else, right? I don't know what I had to build that year. It might have been like a trike. So what phony baloney child's toy are you going to buy so you can put it together this year and get out of going to the in-laws? <laughs> this year, we have a wooden... So my my kid, he's now six. His name's Grant. He has autism. Both both of my sons have autism, but um, Grant and Jude. But um, Grant is a little more severe. And so he's very into climbing and like large motor skills. He is... The dude has abs. Like he's got physical <laughs> skills. It's shocking. But his ability to climb and jump and run and play is it's freakish. It's awesome. He's like a hockey player. So we bought him this wooden ladder. It's like 
three feet wide. It goes from floor to ceiling. And then it's got three feet off the top that become monkey bars. It's this big wooden contraption for developing his physical skills. And he has one at this center we go to. And anyway, it's going to take me all night, honey, to build that. So. This could, you know, you may be able to squeeze in RoboCop or something <laughs> along a, to make it a truly Merry Christmas. So that's the plan. Spend Christmas Eve this year watching Starship Troopers. And uh, I, I would love to ask you what you think about it. We did review this movie once for the podcast. I, lo- I love it. I think it's a, you know, we were talking about movies that, uh, that, you know, that maybe aren't critically acclaimed, but they age really well and they hold up as genuinely strong movies. I think Starship Troopers, when it came out, people just thought, what the hell is this fascist, stupid science fiction movie? Dumb action movie. Now people are like, what a brilliant satire. That's weird, right? Mm-hmm. That, but it, it is. It's it's smart and it's exciting and it and it is a great satire. What, what year is this? 94? It's, it's older than you think, right? 97. So, I mean, it, it, it's not like... It's 10 years after Robocop. Ten years after Robocop. Yeah, and it's got a lot in common with Yeah, Robocop. it's it makes a good double feature. Any movie where Doogie Hauser shows up wearing a full SS uniform and he's one of the good guys <laughs> is a movie with something on its mind. <laughs> uh, Am I wrong? No, no, but I, I think it's not like this movie was critically re-eva- reevaluated a few years later. It took like a decade. It took for, a long time. That's a weird thing. I mean, can you think of other movies where that sort of thing has happened? Where well, you know, last week's movie, American, uh, it's um, it's switched. It switched. Yeah. Right. I mean, it happens sometimes, but usually it's with genre movies, science fiction, horror, because it, critics don't take it seriously when they first come out, and then they come back later. What about like Taxi Driver or or mm, taxi, Network or you know network, that I'm thinking maybe, of that era like Clockwork Orange, maybe ugh. something like. Well, but I mean, you know, but yeah. something like, um, you know, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing got terrible reviews and it bombed when it first came out. And now it's gen- it's generally regarded as like one of the great horror movies of the right. modern era. I've still not seen it. We've talked about that. But I showed yeah. it to my daughter and she was like, wah, there's a, there's a hand, right? And it runs around like there's the a lot room. of that. There's oh. a part where a guy was making chest compressions. Joke. And that his and it, but it's an, it's the shape shifting alien. So a doctor's giving him chest compressions. The chest opens up into these like jaws and chops the guy's hands off at mid forearm. What? I don't. I don't understand. There's a shape shifting alien that looks like one of the crew. The whole thing is is you don't know who the alien is. Oh, okay, I see. So they think it's a crew member who's hurt. The doctor's giving him chest compressions. All of a sudden, whoosh, the chest opens, the guy's arm slipped down in, and then chomp, it chops him off. <laughs> but what's the point? Never mind. We'll what's talk the about point? The thing, some of this. Is that kill a-, a bunch of people. <laughs> Do you have any heartwarming Christmas movies that you, you know, would like I to talk about? I have actual heartwarming Christmas movies. And this is definitely not just shown in Starship Troopers, which I love. Yeah. And I was, I was trying, trying to think, is there even one there's, Christmas there's scene in it? There's not a single, there's nothing related to Christmas. There, it's, it's actually the, the one thing that's... Uh, that I've always bothered me about. That's always bothered me about that movie is the um, the book is written by a dude named Robert, Robert Heinlein. Heinlein. Mm-hmm. I, I read that book when I was a kid, and it it is like a pro military, yeah. pro service. The book is not a it's, satire at all. It's pretty fascist, yeah. And but it's good. It's exciting. But it's, it's and it, it, and the book was written for. It's it would be maybe considered a, a YA novel now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not like a real heavy serious science. No, but fiction. I think it's given to young military cadets. I think, it's, I think it, it was. I think it was. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a cadet, but I read it and loved it. And right, I, I read it as a kid too. I, I, I was a, you know 20. What, one thing about the I mean, we're getting way off topic, but one thing about that book I remember is there was so much about the suits. Yeah, the, the, armor. the mech, the mech armor. It's actually yeah. kind of 
that is almost like an edge of tomorrow. Where yeah. It's more about the suits than That's right. the stuff. But anyway, um, you were saying the characters are all literally from Buenos Aires. Johnny right. Rico and you right. know, they're all but Latin they all names. Look, but they all look like all American but blonde they, and but brunette. Verhoeven cast the smiling, pearly teeth, right. beautiful people. It's like an episode of Beverly Hills 902. I watched that director's commentary. There's like three director's commentaries yeah. on this movie, which I might pick a different one this year. There's like an actor's oh, one. Oh, that's, I like this. There's that's, like a director's this gets one. Even better. Yeah, man. Uh, there's, it's weird. There's a lot. There's, I think there's like a. Oh, yeah. Um, Verhoeven loves talking about his movies. Yeah, but. Which is interesting, so good for him. He but. said he literally cast them on their jaws. I believe he, it. He looked at their mouths and went, that's my guy. That's See, m- my theory about the movie, and I have no idea, because this is in the novel, so it's probably not true, but I always like to think that, you know, the old rumor was that after World War II, the Nazis all fled to Argentina. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, these are the children or grandchildren of all those Nazis. There's a movie. Because they don't look like they're from Argentina. <laughs> There's a newer movie. I don't know if it came out and went away starring uh, uh, Poe Dameron, uh, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. I saw a trailer for that. Where it's like. He's they, he's playing he, Simon Wiesenthal or something or i don't know what that they're, is. but they're fighting they're tracking down nazi they're tracking criminals. down the nazis in argentina yeah wait, wait a minute this movie came out in 2018 did we just see a trailer for this i thought so oh we're old it's that thing where time is passing really fast you're like you don't even think about it anymore you have no idea i swear we saw this trailer like along with the other nazi bunny movie oh the, jojo rabbit jojo rabbit yeah. like i swear we saw these in the same time frame, I swear. Yeah, I don't but know. But apparently this movie came out in 2018. I'll be damned. Well, we missed it. Sorry, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone else involved. And so your actual Christmas movie. My actual Christmas movie. I have uh, two suggestions. One color, one black and white. Um, I know you loved Cat People so much. I, a couple of weeks ago. Man, months my, ago. My whole, I think I got a bad rap on that. I said it's fine. It's just hard to watch. I, I see it more like a historical artifact than a modern film and this one particular thing you didn't like the girl who worked at the wine i I didn't like any golly mister one somebody on the freaking facebook feed agreed with me and then somebody else said you guys are insane was that you no you're not my friend john all right howard said howard agree with the old friend of mine and then john disagreed with you but anyway there is a sequel as i mentioned called the curse of the cat people that takes place during the fall and into the Christmas. Did you seriously just use the Christmas section to recommend Curse of the Cat People? I did. It's a very Christmas movie. God damn you. It's a good movie. It's a great movie about kids. Okay. <laughs> it is, because it's all about, is the kid have, you know, is she going nuts or is da-da-da? Right. It's a ghost story or is it a ghost story? Um, the other movie I'm going to recommend is a movie we should do for the podcast, guys. I think you might like it. It's a movie called Brazil. I don't know if you've heard about this. Nope. came out in 1985 or Maybe end of eighty five into eighty six. Terry Gilliam, who's one of the one of the guys in Monty Python, directed it. He also did the Fisher King and Twelve Monkeys. This is a movie. It's almost like 85. a like a the well. The reason I say I wasn't sure is because he had a hell of a time getting it released. The studio did not want to release it. They thought it was too dark. He ended up taking a print of it. Showing it to the Los Angeles film critics, they named it their movie of the year in the studio basically said, Well, I guess we gotta release it now. Oh, yeah. Hey, good move, Terry. I know. But it takes place largely at Christmas. It's sort of a satire along the lines of uh nineteen eighty four, um, about a guy who's a bureaucrat in a world of an oppressive government and this and that. I don't want to say too much about it. Visually stunning, um, very funny in parts, very dark in parts. There's some fantasy sequences, but uh Christmas all the way through. Okay, so it's a uh, it's it doesn't exactly have the Christmas spirit, but it is set during the holiday season. So I'd highly recommend Brazil, and I think maybe we should cover it in the next year. I think you might like it. 
Brazil, the Christmas movie. It is. And it, by the way, this, the name Brazil strictly comes from a song that plays. It takes, it has nothing to do with the country of Brazil. It should, we should, we should have recommended the ref. We did the ref. By the way, yeah, we recommended this last week when we were talking about good Kevin Spacey movies. The ref with Kevin Spacey, Dennis Leary, and I'm going to look her up because I'm. <laughs> I really like the son in that movie. The son who messes with the military. He like took nude photos of like his commanders. I got to be honest. It's been so long since they, I've seen it. So I can't remember. Kevin Spacey and his wife. I think I could I could have this wrong, but I, Judy Davis, because she's really good, too. Judy Davis. I don't know who that is. She was in a, she's in Woody Allen movies. She's been in. She's good. I mean, she's a good actress. She's I believe she's an Australian actress, but she's a good actress. Sure. Um, I, I want to say I hope I'm not mixing up like plot lines, but I want to say their son has been expelled from, you know, whatever military academy he's at. For taking nude photos of or catching catching like the the head instructor sleeping with somebody else who's not his wife, a prostitute or something. And so he's concurrently like blackmailing the so like the army shows up at the house during the fighting, during the ref, during the Christmas stuff, and they think the kid's in trouble and the guy's like, No, he's not he's not in trouble. I just want to talk to him. You know who is in it? I wonder if he plays because he's listed next to a couple cadets. J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Oh, I bet you he's the guy. I bet he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I bet that's right. Yeah, I want to watch this again. It is, that is a good Merry dark Christmas. Christmas comedy. It's let's a good move, movie. Let's move to our featured movie. Let's move to a Christmas classic called 1999's The Matrix. The Matrix. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window. Or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work. When you go to church. When you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. And we should stress we're strictly talking about 1999's The Matrix, not the two disappointing sequels that followed. Because this is a movie I think that still stands the test of time 20 years later. Can we talk about the sequels for a moment before we sure get into we can. a movie that... I, I saw both of them like opening day, I think, the sequels. Uh, I can't remember them. I've seen them each once. Yes, I remember the... Th- I same. I've seen them each once, I remember too. the third one being awful. It is not good. But I, and I so I can't tell you when characters pop in and out of each movie, but there are like the albino white coat twin the, dudes. Yeah, the Mren, I can't remember. I, I know who you mean. Thought I, they were awesome at the time, but uh, I can't. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I remember them more in the second one. I think during the thing I remember most about the second one is the car chase. The car chase, which is interesting. It's good. It's remarkable. But. It's got nothing. I mean, but I but I you could you couldn't tell me what the stakes are, who's doing what. I don't know what the plot of either of those movies exactly are at all. There's but a, you know the plot of the original because it's simple and streamlined. There's a timekeeper, a clocksmith, or something. So and he has all the keys and keymaster, keymaster, key, page master, maybe. No keymaster from Ghostbusters. No. <laughs> the page all right, that's all I really want to talk yeah. about them is I. I don't know. I saw him once. I can't remember. Him. I can't I remember, remember me parts either. being neat. And the movies being really, I remember like complaining a lot about the third one when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, it's not. I, it. I mean, I remember seeing the second one when it came out, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great." And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, eh, "It had some fun stuff," but and right. then the third one, it's like, 
There's like a weird dance orgy at the beginning or something. Oh, that goes on forever. All let's right. let's let's talk about the matrix. What walk us through? How do you want to walk through this? Start start with the plot. Let's do the what, basic what is setup. The matrix. What is okay. what is going on? The mate. Well, we'll set up how we find out what the matrix is. There's a character we're following named. Well, he's a he's like a office drone, much like. Office Space, Fight Club, American Beauty, played by Keanu Reeves. He goes by the... He's also a hacker in his off hours. He calls himself Neo. <laughs> what? Sorry, just the concept of hackers is annoying. And I, I want to say that because the minute I say that, goddamn site's going to get hacked and it's going to go it's down. Not. By the way, if you want to see a terrible movie from this year... Johnny Mnemonic. No. Well, that was one with Keanu, but hackers. Oh, oh with Angelina Jolie. It's so bad. It's yeah. so bad. <laughs> but anyway, um, and he... He meets this woman um, named Trinity, and she basically hints that there's some great secret that's being kept. Um, and then he's brought in by these by the police, these agents, and they right. they like tell him, you know, you got to tell us who's the, they're looking for somebody named Morpheus. We know that you are an office guy. We know that you are also a hacker. A hacker we're gonna Neo. we're gonna it's cut a- you loose on all the hacking. We don't care. But you need to let us know about X this or y Morpheus or whatever, fellow right? that they're looking for, and he who's doesn't a, know who's who Morpheus- a dangerous terrorist. Right, that's all he's heard. There's a name Morpheus. He's a dangerous terrorist. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. It seems that you've been living two lives. In one life, you're Thomas A. Anderson, program writer for a respectable software company. You have a social security number, you pay your taxes, and you help your landlady carry out her garbage. The other life is lived in computers, where you go by the hacker alias Neo and are guilty of virtually every computer crime we have a law for. One of these lives has a future one of them does not. What happens is eventually Morpheus's crew, led by Trinity, um, they get him. They take him to meet Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and Morpheus, you know, he says in the classic, you know, I have a blue pill and I have a red pill. If you take the blue pill, the, your life as it is goes on as it always has, da-da-da-da-da. But if you take the red pill, you're going to learn what the real situation is. And right. Neo, of course, is always... He's felt there's something else. He doesn't know what it is. So he takes the red pill, and this is what he discovers. The world as he thinks it is, which is essentially our normal world, with a lot more green tint to it. (laughs) Um, uh, Actually, it's 100 years in the future. At least. Yeah. I think he says 100 years, though. He He says, says, like, it's 100 years later than you think it is. No, he says, uh, I watched this last night. He says, uh, you... We think it's this date, but the truth is we don't actually oh, know. Oh, okay. We know that we there was a war and we scorched the, the, the sky. Right. They scorched the sky because um, the, it was a war against humans and computers. Right. And the computers took over. They scorched the sky to stop there being solar power to power the computers. So the world is a devastated wreck patrolled by um, these drone ships that look like squid kind of things. And um, Morpheus and his crew are all sort of flying around in this ship. You know, and they're they're they are terrorists essentially. They're trying to bring down these computers. Sure, the Matrix is the fake world, and the twist is is that when they they can plug in, like they put these receptors in the back of their heads, and they plug in, 
And when they're in the matrix, which is the world we think it is, they can do things. It's almost like they're self-aware characters in a video game. Yeah. They can fight. They can jump, you know, and they're trying to fight the agents who have crazy powers. And they're they're told, like, you know, if you run up against the agents, run because you can't beat them. Agents are essentially the refs. They, yeah. they control the game. They right. you know. And they're cool guy. Hugo Weaving wearing sunglasses and cool dark. This is like before everything. Hugo Weaving was famous at all, right? He was the only thing I mean, he was in other stuff. The only thing I'd seen him in was this movie called Priscilla Queen of the Desert, which okay. is about three drag queens with him and Guy Pierce and I forget who else. It's a very different role from Sure. From sure. Um, he's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he's great. His I mean, his articulation is it's you I think that if it was the wrong situation, you'd make fun of that actor like but for it's overacting. So crisp like, and Mr. Anderson. He's the kind like, of villain that you root against him completely, but you like him. He's you, kick ass. Like, he he's is awesome. You like kind of you like seeing him because he's you can here's the thing. Here's what the key is. You can tell Hugo Weaving is having a blast yeah. playing this character. At the end of the movie, he tells you why he's so maniacal. He's like, I think you're all disgusting. It's a virus. And humanity. I don't want to live with you anymore. Well, he makes a good case. Like humanity is a virus. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. So, so but the, but anyhow, but these guys can the the the, the ref, I, I call them the refs because I think of them as like they're like the gamekeepers. Like they they, well, they're kind of like the cops too. They go around. They're they're the ones really tracking down Morpheus. Yeah, but the world is so big. It's it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this. You'd think the computer would just be able to immediately go up. Oh, there's where that thing lives. It's right there. But I mean, the world is so big, it's almost like they have to do the detective work to find the guys. Probably. I mean, let's be honest. It's a movie you could pick apart a million ways. But, it does, but the it thing is, this movie, more than most science fiction movies, it doesn't matter. It, t- it, it is so confident in how it tells its story that you completely doesn't buy matter. in. It's awesome. And the reason Morpheus, by the way, they get Neo in, they recruit him. And um, Morpheus believes Neo is the fabled person, the one, the person who is going to defeat the computers, the person who has the powers to do whatever he wants in the Matrix. Oh, and- that that is that's a plot in one of the other Matrix movies where it turns out they have beat the computers over and over and over again. Right. And it's just as on. Okay. I, see, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and sorry. if you would have realized that if you just take the letters Neo and rearrange him a tiny bit, you spell out one. For God's sakes, that's terrible. <laughs> you just made me. That makes me like this movie a little less. You never realized that. I never. I'm There's dumb. only three. Letters. I can't explain how dumb I am sometimes. I, <laughs> it's either that or Eno. <laughs> or Eon. Oan. Oen. Um, All right. Own. Yeah. Own. So anyway, but so he he uh trains Neo to fight and to get along in the Matrix and um you know, because it's all computer program, he learns Kung Fu just by like downloading into his head. That that scene. So all, all of the humans now are slaves. You, I don't know if you really got to that part. Well, they're in. Oh, that's right. Actual humans. They're not just slaves. They're they're batteries. In real life, humans are bred in fields like crops. Right. And they are connected to through wires and tubes. And there's a couple. I mean, that whole all of that is horrifying. There's a scene with a baby. With like being like fed through it. I mean, it's a fake. Baby, it's be, it's right? a fake baby, digital baby, but it's being fed through tubes. But they say when other humans die, they're liquefied and fed to fed the to back. Yeah, it's like Ugh, that's horrific. And Neil, when he wakes up, is naked and shaved completely, and he's in this giant tower. He's in like this little sort of closed bathtub chamber. And the he, idea is that humans give off heat, and they convert that heat right. to power. That's why you know when they first meet Neil before he knows what the situation is, one of the women. In Neo's crew calls him Copper Top. And oh, because. Clever. Yeah, he's a battery. He's a battery. They're all, all right. Now, that's somebody pointed out, again, you can do this a million times. Wouldn't it be easier if they killed all the humans and just made cows into batteries? 
or they're docile animals. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah, it doesn't. Oh, or I mean, and the amount of energy it takes, like energy, is is a one to one. You don't get to like make more energy right. out of. You know, I know it's you put in what you get out. But again, when I was watching the movie, I didn't think about any of this because I was matter. just like, that it doesn't is matter. Mind blowing. Um, I, I have so many questions for you, and we'll, we'll let me give one more yeah, element about means. the reason. I mean, this, um. The, the, and I forgot to mention how this movie starts because I think it's interesting and it, it sort of sets up why the movie is so it grabs you is the first thing you see isn't Neo so much. It's Trinity played by Carrie Ann Moss. And there's cops saying we've got her in this building. You know, I sent just send my men up to get her. And then Smith and another agent are like, no, your men are already dead. And you're like one woman in these cops. But then you see this is where you see how the Matrix works. Son on. Oh, shit. Lieutenant, you were given specific orders. Hey, I'm just doing my job. You give me that jurist, my diction crap. You can cram it up your ass. The orders were for your protection. <laughs> I think we can handle one little girl. I sent two units. They're bringing her down now. No, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. Because... The cops come in. Trinity is she's this hacker, and she's you know this hot woman in a leather suit and everything. But that, that part's weird. I have some nitpicks for this movie. There, I want to clarify. My oh, nitpicks. I think this opening scene is just about perfect because there's a moment when she, the cops come in, she jumps up in the air, which you know whatever. But then she hangs there, and the camera kind of spins around. And at that moment, you're like. What? Wait, what? <laughs> and then she runs up the wall, like kicks him in the air, yeah. you know, jumps across like, you know, four lanes of traffic. And you still don't know quite what's going on. But there's amazing visuals and right. yeah, hot chick and it's great. This and whole it's, thing is just it great. It looks cool. Everyone's wearing leather and it's all like this green tinge. And yeah. I mean, it looks, you know, it, this movie was designed for maximum cool. It's the, distinct. The... uh all the fight scenes, of which there are some amazing fight scenes, they were all choreographed by this guy named Yun Wu Ping, who did all the, um, he did all the great fight scenes in like the Jackie Chan movies. Like he was the big Hong Kong guy. Oh, okay. And this is a time I was big into this, and this is a time when you would get these movies coming over either on DVD or on videotape or at film festivals, and you're like, why can't America have action movies like this? And it was because it's because Brad know, Pitt was kicking Bruce Lee's ass. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But and, but he also just um, as a reference, he choreographed the fight scenes for Scott Pilgrim too. Okay. Which yeah. has similar reality like bending some, like, fights. I, I always loved my favorite fight scene in that movie is the um, the Bollywood the dance one at the yeah, beginning. It's yeah, really good. I like that a lot. We should do that movie too. We should. But I anyway, I've only seen it once. I love that movie. But anyway, um, and so and eventually. You know, will Neo become the one? Will he take down everybody? Morpheus gets kidnapped by the agents and Trinity and Neo have to go rescue him. And there's a betrayal. And it's great. It's great. It's, it's a, it sounds it's a hell of a the way movie. you're saying it. Like all this shit happens. But it's really it's it feels like an 80 minute movie. It feels like it zips right along fast man. with not it's not that complicated. No. And unlike the sequels, you know, it's the key. You know who the good guys are. You know who the bad guys are. You know what the stakes are. That's all you need to know in a movie. Don't complicate things, people. I can't people. believe... I know it doesn't make any sense, but th how could this not be considered a better movie than American Beauty? Well, this... But this kind of movie never wins an Oscar. That's ridiculous. That's It's dumb. It's like it's like why a comedy can't win. But it's movie. true. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. That's why the Oscars are bullshit. Just <laughs> pay attention to the movies. You know what... 
when this movie came out, I've said this before on the show, I think, people thought, oh, Keanu Reeves is in a science fiction movie about hackers. Oh, good. Johnny Mnemonic was terrible. And then they aired one commercial during the Super Bowl. Yeah. And people were like, you know what's always stuck with me? Wait a minute. What's this? You made this comment once. It might have even been on the air. I'm so sorry, guys. Like, it's time is a, you know, what I go? Time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. But you said you watched this movie and your first thought was, Oh boy, Star Wars has got a lot to live up to here. It's true, because in the spring... Ahead of Phantom Menace. Yeah, spring of 99, the big movie, I mean, it sounds silly now, but everyone was thinking Phantom Menace. There hadn't been a Star Wars movie out in 16 years. This is Lucas returning to tell you how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. Fantastic. It's going to be great. There was that cool poster of little Anakin with the shadow behind him. Mm -hmm. We're like, young Ben Kenobi, this is going to be incredible. And as soon as you saw The Matrix, you're like... Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> or whoa. How did, you, um, how did you, how did you, I like that he does do. Whoa. He does. Can't I was, I was talking to you earlier about, uh, about the Between Two Ferns movie off the air. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the questions Zach Galifianakis asks, uh, uh, Neo, what the fuck Keanu is Keanu Reeves. Reeves? He says, how many words did you say, you know, like 50, like 75? <laughs> Keanu Reeves, he gets a bad rap by all accounts. He's a smart guy. And he's the nicest guy in Hollywood. A lot of people. So yeah. yeah. And he he's you know they wanted like Will Smith. They wanted Brad Pitt. They wanted Sandra Bullock even for the lead. They were willing to the studio was willing to rework it. Yeah. And um, they got he's perfect because he's kind of a blank slate. You can project it on. Yeah. Plus he's you know he had to get in tremendous shape to do it, Mm. but he's fit. I know kung fu. I know that's great though. <laughs> and the scene when there's another scene toward the end when Trinity like they're gonna steal a helicopter and she doesn't know how to fly it, and he's like, "Can you fly this?" And she like calls in to like back at the uh, ship tank or dozer. I can't remember which one. I think it's I think it's tank. tank. I think dozer. I think dozer. Yeah. And she calls in like, uh, "I need a Huey, you know, one on one for whatever." And you see him typing up helicopter, and her eyes just like, and she's like, "I can fly it now." Yeah. That uh, the, there's like a terminal. They're the back of their heads in in the real world. In the real world, there's like, are terminals, right? But the little metal blade that goes into the back of their head and the sound it makes when yeah. it does it, they're like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like mortifying. I mean, it's it makes it's great. It's great. You know, we should give a quick credit. After all, this is definitely a movie that is the vision of the two people who made it. I and don't know how to approach this. Uh, I, okay, I'm gonna tell. Uh, let's see. When the movie was made. They were the Wachowski brothers. They were Larry and Andy Wachowski. Known as brothers. They were, yeah, they were two team. guys from Chicago. Yeah. And um, they're like the Cohen brothers. Right. Since then, I think it was, I want to say it was Larry first and then Andy. They have both transitioned. Okay. So now females. it's Lana and Lily Wachowski, sisters, but, you know, they call them the siblings or the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, right. And, um, I was reading an interesting, and that, you know, that has nothing to do with right, the Matrix. That's their but, personal life. Yeah. Right. But I was reading an interesting, um, there's a book that uh, Chuck Klosterman wrote called What If We're Wrong? And he tries to predict how people in the future will look back at this era. Like, what will stand the test of time? What will people think about how we lived? What art will last like 100, 200, 500 years? And he says... He think he brought up the Matrix as just an example of how perceptions may change. And when it came out, it was like, wow, look at those special effects, or look at that fighting, or look at you know the the idea of what is reality. I mean, all those things kind of combined. And he says, you know, hundred years from now, if not now, people are going to think, you know, the special effects are what they are. 
None of that's going to seem revolutionary. But he says what may stand the test of time is that there were two people who made a movie about a decision to live in a false world or to take a bold step into a, the real world. And they were two, you know, this is 99. So the concept of trans was fairly... Sure. If, if not rare, it wasn't something that was, you know, as common as it is now and not as spoken not, of. Not even that it's common now, but, but it's, it's, you know... But it wasn't at in, least in the public view as much. And, yeah. You know, and so the, people in the future may think, wow, there was a lot going on in this movie that maybe we didn't consider. Sure. Whether there was or not. I mean, critics will read into it, but... Yeah, yeah. They'll, yeah. But I mean, in the, what, you know, the Wachowskis... This was their idea. They worked hard to get it made. They pitched it. They like hired artists. They invented to... bullet time. Like that's, yes. that's what, those are still cameras. Yeah. Yeah. All I mean, this is what a They put it. I was just reading the chapter in that book about 99 and there's a Yeah, they say in the script it just it kind of gives a vague description and the, they're like people are like, "How are you, how are you <laughs> going to do that?" And it that shot took I don't know, like a seven months to film or something like all yeah. the behind work but there's yeah. a, there's a scene when as the movie goes on neo gets more and more Super adept powers. at the matrix yeah. yeah his powers are growing and one of the agents shoots at him and he leans back and he's able to dodge the bullets essentially but you see you the camera swooshes around him and you see the bullets in slow motion and it's hard to describe i mean you've probably seen it yeah, by now, but seen it's hard to describe time. yeah but when it i mean that's when it first happened yeah you're like I've, you know, it's a great thing when you say, weird, I've never seen that in like a movie. Like how an effect makes the movie. Like, yeah. I, I think this movie is still good without that effect. I Don't be mad. This movie is Blade Runner without that effect. But once you add in that extra level of like, well, yeah, great I mean, action, great effects. I think, yeah, what sets this, I mean, obviously I love Blade Runner, but what's, I, I don't, what makes but, the Matrix different than Blade Runner, not better or worse, but different is it incorporates Balls out action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes a great special effect, but it gives the movie a reason to have it. So I want to complain about that. Um, the action wears on me. Uh, oh, you're a puss. No, just no, no. I mean, it's not like I'm like, I, no, I mean, like I, I'm maybe I'm ADD. Dude. I'm bored by it a little bit. So what I mean is the first 50 minutes of this movie, there's like two action scenes and they're good and mm -hmm. they're mostly like suspense action scenes like um the team is running up the stairs and they're running down the stairs they're trying to escape the they matrix. go through the wall like it's not then... just a fight it's like a it's it's action with a plot point behind it mm -hmm. and then you get to like i think the first agent fight there's 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 one agent fight between um like morpheus and trinity and agent smith and they, they're like, you run. When you see an agent, you run. We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors. They are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. Someone. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, 
won't have to. My point is that it goes from plotty stuff to Neo fights Agent Smith. And Neo fights Agent Smith is like 10 minutes, you know, like where I kind of was like, well, I mean, we're showcasing action. Yeah. We're not moving the story at all. And when those moments come, I kind of I found myself drifting. In, See, the, I, in the same way you at the end of every Marvel movie there's the big action right, battle, right, Lord right. of the Rings where you're kind of like ah oh, now we're here and it's cool and it's beautiful you know the music's obnoxious but well but that's it's a it's, very it's, 90s it's of kind time. of I mean they were listening they, when they were writing the script they were listening like Rage Against the Machine totally. and all or, that or, and, or whatever else and believe know. me they're there would never been a more appropriate title of a band for this movie than Rage Against <laughs> yeah, the Machine yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, it's a minor complaint yeah. I just sometimes a, you see the beauty of the action, and it, it's beautiful. It is like a dance. I mean, they film it. But then you've seen it on the third well, and fourth I mean, time sometimes like- the, the scene that... I mean, I still think it looks great, but the scene I can agree with you on is when they break into the bank and all the gunfire... I mean, it just—I think it goes on a little long. And uh, there's a few moments where you can tell that all the columns are paper mache. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you can—you're just like, and it's like the shit is exploding, and you're like, and there's bullets falling. Just and falling and get falling. to it, like, come on, just get to the top. And then a good. month after this movie came out, Columbine happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so- you. Uh, that that wears on me sometimes. I understand. Um, but it doesn't matter because it's such a kick-ass movie that yeah. I'm like, ah, it's fine. It's gratuitous, but it's great. And then sometimes they do this weird, um, almost like a Roger Rabbity, Cool World cartoon mixed with real life, like green squiggles or whatever. Like some of some of the like electricity, some of the some of the effects are less good than you'd think for how great everything else is. Okay. Um, I can't really think of any specific example right now, but there's like sparks, electricity, things like little matrixy things that happen where you're like, it's very clearly just like a, a still, like a what do you call it, like a translucent, like a cell animation, a cell animation on top. Is there of it. anything as bad as the fight scene at the end of Black Panther? <laughs> I can't remember if that's that bad. It's bad. I can't remember. Well, I challenge you to watch it again. It's. Terrible. I I saw somebody just a tweet that was like they're literally fighting in an underground railroad. It's bad. And I was like, oh, oh, I never even considered that implication. It you doesn't know? make the effects any better. But Fine. anyway, but I'll. That's but it. The, the one scene, the scene when we, because when you mentioned how the, it, at the end, it, of course, it comes down to Neo versus Agent Smith, who's the big bad. And um, almost like a video game. And they're fighting in a subway station. And, you know, there's that moment when Trinity escapes. They're all on the ship waiting for Neo to come back, like because they escape They're, through in phones the, in and the stuff. real world. In the real world, the Matrix is sort of collapsing. So, I mean, it's not really well. In the that, real world, their ship is being attacked. Right. Right. Yeah. By by these by the drones things. flown around, and so they need to they get gotta, out of there. They, and they got to blow the electrical grid. But, but if they do that, they Neo lose will be Neo. cut off because right. you have to have like a phone connection to get out of the Matrix. Right. Da, da 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 da. But so they're watching him, and they're like, "He's got to, you know, get out of there." And and Neo stops, and that's the moment. That's the Luke shuts off the targeting computer moment in the yeah. movie. Because this is, I mean, I always say, like, that's the real climax of the movie. Because yeah. now Neo believes, and yeah. he turns and fights. And I, the thing, I mean, that fight scene goes on a little, but I do love it when they're Because this is, keep in mind, this is before any Marvel movie. Oh, yeah. This is what you wanted to see like people punching and like knocking chunks out of columns and stuff. You want to see people with superpowers fighting. And that's what this is. It's, it's really well done. And the, at the, it's a great combination of 
like characters. It is a good combination of characters mixed with the action and the plot, mm-hmm. which is like like I, I thought of Blade Runner because the like the weird future verse where there's people hunting down like that's a cool little yeah it's sci-fi a good, yeah, all you need is a simple plot you don't have to have the world's most complex plot right and that's that's what this has so let me um I, we're we've been babbling for a half hour mm-hmm. about how great this is let's let's do some categories tell me about the characters uh, we've talked about neo a little bit he's essentially neo. your luke skywalker he's Blank a luke slate. skywalker guy he is very much he's the one i mean yeah. he's luke he's harry potter he's da 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 so let's go to trinity trinity i mean she's you know again these characters it is almost like star wars and they're very simple characters she's the love interest who's smarter who's like you know she's more experienced than neo and you know but she falls in love with him and you know she's the she's not the princess, but she's, you know, I mean, she's almost a co-equal. She's yeah. a good vice president. You know, she <laughs> is. But you know, eventually Neo mm-hmm. levels up, and right. Uh, what's the actress's name? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, she's in my, Memento. Memento, which right. is like honestly maybe a top five all time. Yeah, movie and there she has a more complex character. Right. Uh, so Morpheus. Uh, Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, Larry, Larry. Well, he when he was in Apocalypse Now, he was like 14 years old, and he was billed as Larry. Gotcha. That's but funny. he's a uh, Lawrence Fishburne. He's he's good because he has the gravitas to play this. He's you know Morpheus is the wise. Yeah, he's sage. he's he's Yoda Obi-Wan. kind yeah, of. He's Obi Wan. Yeah. really and he is. said like I. Re- it- I know kung fu. Show me. This is a sparring program. Similar to the programmed reality of the Matrix. It has the same basic rules, rules like gravity. What you must learn is that these rules are no different than the rules of a computer system. Some of them can be bent. Others can be broken. He said he saw him as a combination of like, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan and da-da-da-da. And again, much like Smith, you can tell he's having a little fun with the yeah, role. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not um, as physically fit as the rest of them, although he no. does, his bulk isn't fat. He's like a big guy. He's a, yeah, you buy uh, him as like the guru. I hate his sunglasses. I know, but that was the cool, you know, they wanted that shot of the two hands reflected in his sunglasses, one with the red pill and but one with the blue pill. But his sunglasses don't have sides. I know. They just rest they're, on they're, his head. Uh, I can't remember, pins nays or whatever. There were actually were glasses like that's like Teddy Roosevelt wore those kind of glasses. Really? They just fit on your nose. Yeah. Oh, I assumed it was just a sci-fi trick. Yeah. Like a, a it's old looking old pictures. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe I like them a little more. And he and Neo have that great scene when because he takes him in and they they fight in like a kung fu dojo. Yeah. After Neo gets it programmed and and he's kind of having fun with him because he's better than him, you know. Yeah. But then there's that great moment when Neo like does these like really fast hits and you see him like. Whoa. That's oh, going to work. Yeah, Larry, was, yeah. yeah, he's like, is this the one? I mean, he's a true believer. He believes in the in the kid. Right. You know? And everyone else is kind of skeptical. And he takes him to meet the Oracle, who's this older African-American woman living in this apartment. But she really knows the Matrix. Yeah, and she, and she sort of doesn't tell him one way or the other. She, do, You think, she, you know, when you first think she, you th- he at first thinks she says you're not the one, but she doesn't say that. She doesn't really say anything. Uh-uh. She's sort of like, you yeah, believe what, what you want to believe. That's what oracles know? do. Believe <laughs> You know, they give you a bullshit answer. You can't right come around and tell them halfway through the movie, you know. We, so we I want to talk about my favorite character, Joey Pants. Joey Pants. He makes this movie for me. He's, he's great. Well, great. Cypher is like the guy. He's sort of us in the Matrix. Because in the sense that, okay, in the quote unquote real world, it's a dystopian future. You're all wearing rags. You you live on this you eat gruel. You eat yeah, this disgusting snot-looking gruel. You're um 
you're on a, you know, this spaceship, not a spaceship, but like a craft that flies around, but it's all metal. And Morpheus I mean, it's, bosses them around yeah, all Morpheus, day long. It doesn't look comfortable at all. There's like, you know, it's just miserable. Or you can live in our world, essentially. Yeah. So he sells out everybody. Yeah. And I, it, I'm fine with it. Do we have a deal, Mr. Reagan? You know, I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I'm I'm a little unhappy with like his revenge plot. Like, why did he need to kill all of them? I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. maybe that's part of the contract. Maybe. But he does it with such joy. And again, he's that's an actor who he's always yeah fun to watch. Yeah, also in Memento. That's right. He is also in Memento. That's uh, right. He, we should do Memento. He's, we should. That would be so good. We should do. Memento. I haven't he, seen it in a long time. We should uh, do Memento. He's so happy to like kill them all, and he gives them all little death speeches as he does. Yeah, it, you know? and and they and that's a good scene because it is chilling because. He's in the real world. Mm-hmm. They're in the Matrix, and all he—they're just lying there, seemingly oh, yeah, asleep. Unplug them. Just unplug them. And the, we never talked about that. But if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world, right? Because your brain doesn't know the difference, right? Which brings up an interesting point: is when they kill people in the real world, like guards and stuff. Yeah, are they just killing or kill people in the Matrix, so they're killing people in the real world. Yeah. I mean, I not agents, because they kill a lot of other people, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they shoot somebody, they run away. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Somebody, I mean... I know. It's a Stormtrooper thing. I mean, like, you got to kill somebody. In yeah. a movie with that many guns, because there's that scene... I remember this from the trailer that they showed where he's like, what do we need? And they're in, like, this white, like, just blank area. Yeah. And he goes, the, guns. That's, that's the construct. Yeah. The think, construct. Right? We the- call this the construct. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, guns. Lots of guns. And then, literally... More racks of guns than you could possibly count in a lifetime just appear and like slide past them. There's like a maybe a cognitive dissonance between you can fly, you can do anything, you can bend space time, mm-hmm. and I also I need a gun. Like right, they, they want the gun because it's the same reason why they wear leather. Like theoretically, cool. you could just go like that, yeah, and, and do whatever you, you want. Know. You just force push them, do whatever you want. Right, you know. I mean, if but, you have, you know what lucid dreaming is, have you ever? Uh, it, no, it's dreaming. It's it's a real thing. It's dreaming, but you know you're dreaming, but you don't wake up. Oh. So theoretically, I've done it once or twice. I mean, it's kind of a luck thing, whether you happen to... But, yeah. you know, theoretically, if you're in a dream and you realize it's a dream, but you don't wake up, you can do anything. You know, that's happened to me before, and I I, I yeah. feel like all I ever do is my effort is I want to keep this going. Yeah, and like, it's hard because then you start to wake up. But I've, like, flown in a dream. Oh, I've never done that. It's in incredible this is a metaphor you have a drug problem what's going on here you should read there's like i remember when we were i took my psychology class and they were talking about like you know flying in dreams is like if you because there's ways you can kind of train yourself to lucid dream like you write down your dreams in the middle night and yeah and all this and and because then it makes you more aware of when you're dreaming yeah but if you can fly in a dream it like has psychological benefits because it's so freeing in that so i have um i have white guy disease if i told you about this I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to dig through my notes to figure out what it is, but I, I have a um, an ocular problem in my left eye uh-huh. where I see, um, you know, like in Lord of the Rings when he sees flashes of the eye and it's like a circle and it's just a flash. 
I yeah. kind of, my left eye has this. I have a circle. And, and it, is it always there? Or does it come and go? It it's so it's it for a couple months at a time. It's always there. It almost looks like when you see a flash of a camera and you have this weird. It's almost like a greenish. Why do they call it white guy disease? Well, I call it that because okay. it ha- it's it it affects everybody. I mean, it happens, but uh, white men between like thirty and fifty are especially prone to it. And I'm like, ah, damn it, like that's me <laughs> uh, with high levels of stress and irregular sleep patterns. And that is me because I I was telling my wife I don't think I've slept eight straight hours in a year, you know, because the kids and just. Chores. It's eleven thirty as we do this podcast. And I'm by the getting way. up at five thirty tomorrow because I'm, I'm probably leaving. get up at about nine thirty or ten, oh. maybe. I gotta if I feel like the it. Boys wake up and I'm leaving for a work trip, so I want to make sure she gets to sleep in because she's gonna have four days of on or whatever. Long story, but if anyway, I were you, I would just go to the airport now. now. Just leave. <laughs> just not. <laughs> you know, I have to come back, right? I know that's the thing. <laughs> Uh, next character, uh, I, I want to run through them because there's a lot of them. Uh, but some of them are... Yeah, Tank and Dozer. I don't know I if mean, they, they, The others are like the crew. It's like a World War II movie where you have the crew. Yeah, you know? and you expect they're all going to die. Most of them die. What is uh, what is the blonde lady's name? Um, Switch? Switch. Switch, yeah. That is her name, yeah. And there's Switch, there's Mouse. Mouse. Mouse is like the nerdy guy. The kid. He's the kid. He's the kid. I like him. They all die, though. They all, except Tank. Tank doesn't, yeah. Um, yeah, they they do all die. Apoc, because because Joey Pants kills them all. Right. Well, I tell you, I know. What do you want me to say? I mean, I the main characters are the three we mentioned and Agent Smith, who we right. talked about. There are two sub agents who you know. I believe are, it's Agent Jones and Agent Brown. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, but there's you know at the because. You know, they're really badasses and they kill everyone. But then at the end, they seemingly kill Morpheus. And that's when it becomes sort of like a fairy tale because, you know, Trinity kisses him. And, you know, it's like a Sleeping Beauty kind yeah. of Snow White thing. But, I mean, you're so invested. And it's it's never the most realistic movie. So you you buy it. You know, you're... It, I mean, it is, it is kind of... I would say it's kind of a dumb movie. It's not... It's not, though. It's but- not... It, it, I know what you mean. It's not deep. Right. But sometimes a simple movie, that's all you need. You know, Star Wars is not deep. Yeah, right. It's deep enough where you yeah. can read stuff into it if you want, but otherwise. You know, I think the difference is that in Star Wars, they don't try to explain how anything works. Right. Like, you don't have to learn how a ship flies in space. Right. You don't have to know why there's even, like, a, a, a galaxy, or, or I'm sorry, a, a republic. Right. Like, none of it that matters. You just buy it. And this, they sort of get into the like, well, when you're in them, they, they explain the rules of the universe a little bit too I think much. you almost, well, but you need to know why people can jump and hang in the air and stuff. Yeah. I all think. right. Yeah. Because, you know, what's interesting is this movie was obviously hugely influential. Tons of movies ripped it off. And I remember, was it the next year that Charlie's Angels movie with Drew Barrymore and um, Cameron Diaz came out? And they had fight scenes where people were fighting like the Matrix. Just... <laughs> For the hell of it. There was a, a whole video game called Max Payne, like a mm-hmm. series. It's there was a up. movie called Max Payne inspired by the video game. Which is inspired by Bullet Time. Yeah, the whole exactly. Pl- the only thing Max Payne had going for it was Bullet Time. Amen. It's just, that's it. It's a shooter. And and you know, at the end, what I do like about The Matrix, because we talked about all the fight scenes and they get crazier and, and Neo and Smith are just destroying this substation and all that, subway yeah. station. And then at the end, when Neo finally beats them, because, you know, he comes back to life. And he's now he is truly the one. Yeah. And they all turn and fire their guns at him. And this is this is where I think you cast Keanu Reeves because he has that Zen calm and he just goes no, and he holds his <laughs> hand up. He just says it calmly. He looks at him like no, and the bullets stop. And, and he drop. he he picks up a bullet in the air and looks at it. 
And then they come to fight him. And I've watched this scene a million times because I admire how simple it looks. But they're fighting as fast as they can. He's moving his arm very slowly, but fending him off completely. Yeah, There's, yeah, you're not going to touch me. It's, yeah. And uh, how do you feel about him flying at the end? Um, I, I don't mind it because it's literally the last thing you see. And so if you didn't have the sequels, I mean, this is like, it ends on this note of like triumph. Now that he's the one, he can do anything. And he flies up the camera and the screen goes black. Yeah. I, I, every time I see that, I think they didn't know sequels were coming. Exactly. (laughs) I don't think they did because yeah. But I mean, this movie was such a struggle to get made. Nobody wanted it. And, and and it's, it's not the lottery, but it does feel like when a movie hits it big like that, they're all, everybody's always surprised. Yeah. The Joker made a billion dollars and everybody's going like, I, I don't know. I mean, look at Star Wars. Look at Jaws. These yeah. movies, nobody expected them. I think Jaws was primed for it. Well, but it was such a struggle to make. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I mean, once and, it's done, but I almost, yeah, they finished finish the Matrix is, and they have not fly off and it's kind of like, now he right. can do anything. But, and the thing is, the way the Matrix goes is there's no way to really end the story because what is he going to do? He, humanity, wake up. You thought you had this nice life. You're living in a jar. Life sucks. Life sucks. Yeah. And now all four billion of you have many yards. You got to, I don't do what? You're naked and you're in a, a tower of sludge. And you'd think they, I mean, I guess they could bounce back to like a Terminator style thing where they like short circuit. Really? The Time travel is the only way to solve it. No, I mean, no, because even if they free themselves, they're still naked in this apocalyptic wasteland. Hey, listen, uh, the movie Wally ended with them landing on a shitty but earth and learning. Who wants to watch that? The thing is, who? I mean, yeah, really, the yeah, I mean, it's you, you know, you because you get those stupid sequels, yeah. like Zion with the rave and oh, oh yeah, it's bad. Any uh, final thoughts on the Matrix? Um, it's, you know, the thing, the key to this movie is it's so much fun. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's just enjoyable. You can buy in all the what is reality stuff you want, but you don't have to. Just enjoy the fight scenes and special effects. And I don't like the costuming. It's, it was very much, a, I, I mean, it's, it looks very dated now. Yeah. It, it just seems silly. Like, mm-hmm. all I can think, like, I don't know. You ever sweat in leather? I, wonder, I bet that's great. But they're in the Matrix. Yeah. Do they not sweat? No, I don't. They're out of breath. They, Although, Morpheus is sweating when they're like he's. That's a great scene with yeah. Smith when he's really raking Morpheus over the coals. Doesn't he like pick his nose or something? Like I can't quite he, like remember wipes now. the sweat off his thing. And tells and he's him he's like, disgusting and yeah. And Hugo Weaving, he's really good. You know, he's in. Uh, you ever see V for Vendetta? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's well, in that. He didn't see his face once, but that voice, man, love that. I think it's so good. I do like V for Vendetta. I do too. Uh, I, I I like uh, which was produced by the Wachowskis. I did know that. That's what they did next after this. I think right? arguably the worst part of that movie is when they do a little bit of bullet time with the knives. That's the one part where I'm like, oh, oh I don't really? remember that. It's it's just there a little, but yeah, hmm. I do like. I that. like the like goofy uh, <laughs> the the host of the TV show doing the goofy like yeah, let's chase our prime minister and it's like it's like it's great. It's a little it's farce good. in the middle of the movie. you know based on a comic book written by the same guy who wrote. Watchmen. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's a graphic novel, right? Not just a comic. Well, it was originally. I mean, it was originally a serialized comic book. Okay, but uh, so. That's what we thought of this movie. We would love to know what you thought of this movie. Although, seriously, who hates The Matrix? Yeah, like, why be like that? I think I, my wife doesn't like it. Really? I don't think so. I, I was watching it. Let's be I, honest. It's a boy movie. Yeah. There are yeah. girl movies and there are boy movies. And yeah. The Matrix is a boy movie. 
uh, my wife was kind of like again. Like she saw me about <laughs> again. I, was like, I haven't watched it in a long time. I should yeah, watch it. Again. Put it on. It's a good dumb back. I like I like movies that I'm like they're like comfort food. You know that's of why course. I watch that's why I watch Starship Troopers on Christmas. Of you know, it's just like and honestly, I just I like the idea. It tells me something about me when I'm like. I'm excited for Christmas. I'm going to watch Starship watch Troopers. Starship Troopers. It's stupid, you know, and I know that, and I don't care. Hey, it's, it's also, those... that movie is longer than you think. And Starship it, it, Troopers? Yeah, it's like 220, I think. I could be is wrong. Is it really? I think I think. I haven't watched it since we did it for, for the podcast. A couple years ago, uh, right? Yeah, Starship, I'll, I'll edit this, Starship Troopers. I hope Troopers. they do a big, remember I talked about that Robocop box set? I hope they do a Starship Troopers box It would be great, although there are sequels to it. it it's... There's it, sequels to RoboCop too. I just looked it up, it's two hours and nine minutes, so yeah. it's, it's longer, it's not 90 minutes, so it no. fills some time and... Yeah, I'm looking forward to building that stupid wooden ladder thing this year for, know. for my kiddo. They really, but, but there's no wooden ladder really. You're just no, there is. It's, it's, I, it <laughs> no, costs, it costs plenty of damn money. It's it's there. It's I got to mount it to a wall next to the other theater's office. I'm That's telling you, gonna you're going to be able to watch this and RoboCop and know, maybe Showgirls if you're going to do a Paul we'll Verhoeven triple the, feature. The sequels to Starship Troopers. They're, I don't think they're supposed to be any good. The writer uh, Ed Newmeyer, who also wrote was? RoboCop. Really? Which is, well, you think about it. Robocop has the fake commercials. Starship yeah, Troopers has, has the, the do you want to know more yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> do your part. And the kids squash the bugs. <laughs> it's so dark. All you right, know, there's everybody. a little bit of that in that uh, Jojo Rabbit when there's like kids joining the army and everything. Right. And the sad thing is in Jojo Rabbit, it really it's happened. Real, yeah. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, Will. Merry Christmas, Billy. Merry Christmas, audience. Go to iTunes. Leave us a Christmas present. Damn it. That's right. In the form of a five-star review. It's free. We got one more episode before the year ends, and I think we're going to try to do our uh, top 10 of the year. Top 10 of the year. And because it's also the end of the decade, we're going to list some of our favorite movies from the decade of the 2010s. You know, all that sounds fun. Uh, it also sounds like so much work. Now, if you've been a complete loser nerd like me and keeping track of every movie you've seen since 2004... You'd be able to do it. I might just interview you for that episode. That's okay. And I want to clarify. These are not the best movies. These are my favorite movies. Right. Not, you know, we're not, we're not trying to say these are the greatest because there's a lot of Oscar movies, like I said, I haven't seen. Yeah. And I'm not going to see them. You didn't see Green Book? (laughs) I didn't see Green Book. I didn't see, uh, what was it? La La Land. I didn't see the Gaga. What was it? Star is Born. The Artist. Did you see that? I did see The Artist. Really? I don't know, it was fine. Uh, There's other black and white movies I'd rather watch, like Cat People on Sweet Smell Success. <laughs> and on that merry Yuletide note, we'll see you at the end of the year. Uh, on behalf of Will Pfeiffer, my name is Billy Culpa. We'll miss you all. Most of all. Ho, 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 ho.